Hey everyone, welcome to another installment of The OK Show. I'm your host, Andrea Swenson, and this is a podcast brought to you by The Current, where real musicians talk about their real lives. Today we're going to catch up with Dan Israel. He's a singer-songwriter that's been making music in the Twin Cities for two decades now. He's put out 13 albums, including a best-of anthology called Danthology, and he just celebrated the release of his new album, Dan, earlier this month. So here's a story. Back when I was just getting into really learning more about the local music scene and realizing that there are musicians here in my own city that I could go out and see, that I could buy CDs from at their merch tables, that I could read about in the Alt Weekly and the Daily Newspaper, I found Dan Israel. I found him through a column that was written by Jim Walsh back when he was writing for the Pioneer Press. I immediately went to Cheapo that weekend and picked up a copy of the album that was new at the time, Dan Who. This would have been back in 2001. And I fell in love with Dan's ability to convey really, really deep emotions in a really simple way. Dan Who is an acoustic album. It's mostly just Dan and his guitar. And it's really a story about an artist who's trying to figure out if they really want to be in it for the long haul, if this is all going to pay off in the end, if it's worth being so tired and working endlessly to create and to keep things moving and to keep promoting yourself and keep putting yourself out there. Where is this going to end up? Is it worth keeping that rock and roll dream alive? Just a little overloaded. I'm feeling just a little overloaded. Well, almost 15 years have passed since that album came out, and that question is still at the forefront of Dan's mind. Like so many artists, he's still struggling with this idea of when do you know that the effort I've been putting into all of this has paid off? So, for my money, you know, Dan, who I think still lives up. Uh, to the rest of Dan's catalog as one of the finest things that he's put out. But it is rivaled by Dan, this album that just came out this year. On Dan, we hear those same questions coming up again and again. Is this worth it? Was the energy I put into this all worth it? And in this case, he's not just questioning his creative pursuits, and the work that he's put into his musical life. But he's also reckoning with a marriage that has come to an end. And what does it all mean? In the end, it's quite a universal theme. It's something that I think a lot of us can relate to. Anyone that's been through any kind of breakup can relate to. And I wanted to talk to Dan about where he's at right now, how he's feeling about this new record that's just come out, and how he puts all of these really deep and profound feelings into these really beautiful and ultimately uplifting pop songs. Hey, Dan. Hey, Andrea. <laughs> How's it going? It is going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's going okay, I guess, for the okay show. Well, that's appropriate. Yeah. So when I was listening to your new record, um, especially listening to your voice on mm -hmm. the new record and the way that you're singing these words... It reminds me of Dan Hu in mm -hmm. some ways of this kind of 
kind of beleaguered, yeah, <laughs> tired, yeah, um, you know, weary, weary tired. tone, but also, <laughs> you know, with the yeah. with the conviction behind it too. Um, I'm curious, you know, as you went back and listened to these recordings as you're making this new record, is that something that you were aware of that this was coming across in in a pretty serious way? Yeah, I think given the subject matter and the time and the emotions that I was going through it was like bound to end up being sort of that kind of album that was just going to have to be sort of no holds barred about my emotions and everything I I was going through because my life was falling apart. When I did Dan Who back in, you know, really the late 90s, it's not necessarily so much the case that my life was falling apart, but I was coming face to face with a lot of conclusions realizations that were sort of hard to take like maybe to compare the two things Dan who was about a busted rock and roll dream and this new album is about a busted life dream Mm. um a busted uh happiness dream marriage you know yeah and in both cases hopes crushed dreams dashed are kind of the themes, you know, like being very optimistic, really believing that something can work. And back then it was, hey, I can, I'm going to be a rock star. I'm going to do this for my life and it's going to go great. And then I like ended up super deep in credit card debt and my band broke up and everything fell apart. That was what sort of sprung Dan, who that almost looks, I don't want to say childish because it was a big deal. It was everything to me then. But this, this dream falling apart feels even more like adult somehow, you know, like it it feels like, you know, it's one thing to have your career hopes dashed. It's another to have your sort of plans for your life and your domestic life kind of dashed. And a lot of things came through the fire and are okay. You know, like, especially with regard to my children who are doing really well and who are really happy kids and who I feel just, just thank God every day for my kids and, and, and that they survived, you know, something that a lot of kids go through. I just didn't happen to go through it. That was part of it too, is that my, my folks are still together and I didn't grow up with divorce and I didn't want to put my kids through a divorce and I didn't, um, Whereas my ex-wife grew up in a broken, you know, home. And Mm -hmm. so in some ways, maybe it was a little less um, unfathomable to her to, for that to happen. I just didn't foresee it. I just foresaw my kids growing up, you know, in a home with two parents always there. Yeah. How old are your kids? They're 10 and seven. Wow. Isaac is 10, Susie's seven. I remember when Isaac was born because weren't you playing a show? <laughs> yeah, the great, which is always I always you know need to qualify that I was playing a show when my when I became a parent, but <laughs> but my ex wife did say go play that show. So Isaac was born at like three forty five in the morning, and then I was later in that same calendar day I was supposed to open for Iris Dement at the Fitzgerald Theater. So I. That was quite an experience too, because I was my nerves and my emotions were just completely frayed, and I I just about lost it on stage several times. 
they've adjusted really well to a really kind of sudden upheaval. It was, in my opinion, it was kind of sudden, you know, from, from another perspective, it might've been seen to have been evolving for a long time, but I was still surprised. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say I didn't see it coming at all, but uh, I certainly didn't see it coming when it did happen. I thought that we would work things out and you can probably hear that a little bit on the album that I, there's some lyrics about, you know, I, I thought we were going to try to still work on it, right, you know, and, right. but we, but we didn't, you know, really yeah. just, just, we just didn't. So for whatever reason, um, that's where it ended. And how long were you married? I was married for about 16 years. Wow. Mm-hmm. In rock and roll terms, that's, that's like being married 50 years, you know, like dog years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> rock and roll marriage, 16 equals 50. <clears throat> Not quite, but the, the songs that I wrote for this album mostly came out of that first uh, winter that I, when I moved out. And if you recall how bad that winter was two years ago, that was, so like the first song of the album is called Winter is Coming. And it's just sort of funny in that, uh, if I had known how bad that winter was that was coming was coming, I don't know. I'm glad I didn't know how bad it was gonna be, because I felt bad enough at the time just knowing that it was gonna be winter and I was gonna be alone and right. you know, um, yeah. That sort of sets the tone for the album, I guess, is that looking ahead to okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna be alone here now. But give him Yeah, what can you do But give him We started strong But events came along We couldn't get back To the start Was it one thing That made us tread these rings for me too winter typically represents a really difficult time with work mm. um, because the legislative session is during winter so everything is you know a lot of things are geared around in, in our in Minnesota in general around winter versus summer and in particular with my life and my job my day job that extra feeling of dread about the legislative session coming and everything's going to be harder and I'm going to be working overtime and be away from my kids and you know the commutes are going to get worse and <laughs> this is a terrible feeling sometimes so I'm not as uh you know chronically unhappy though as I sound right now and I think that sense of hope comes through in the record too this is something I also noticed in recent releases from like Adam Levy um, you know, you take on a really serious topic like divorce, but then you make kind of pop music out yeah. of it um, with these more upbeat melodies yes. and, and rhythms. Where does that come into your songwriting process, that setting the mood and the tone? Well, I do sometimes like listening to depressing, quiet, slow music, but a lot of times when when I'm excited about music, it still ties into that young kid in me that like liked the top 40 hit, you know, the pop hit. The A lot of my love of music really just has to do with, you know, 
the pop of the late 70s and that driving disco beat and the fun aspect of music. And so even if everything lyrically in my life is kind of down, I still like want to write a hit song. I still want to write a song that's catchy and has a good beat and sort of a funny thing almost sometimes where I have all these songs that are like, you know, upbeat rock songs until you listen to what I'm singing about. And it's like, damn, that's, that's a bummer. But I guess I just don't think that the two things always need to line up. Right. I mean, you know, I think you could write songs with really happy lyrics and, and they could, it could have a really slow, mournful sound. Um, I tend to do these, you know, bummer tunes with, with the bounce, you know, with the Wilburys bounce. That's just where I come from in a lot of ways. But I don't think I invented that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, Tom Petty does that a lot. Bob Dylan, you know, there's a lot lot of Beatles and Stones stuff to me was, it's not necessarily happy stuff that they're singing about, but it's paired with this groove and a melody and a hook. So... have a real sense of humor too i mean even do i yeah i mean i hope so i (laughs) well you mentioned that uh greatest hits collection it's called danthology yeah and i mean just one look (laughs) at the cover of your new record it's hilarious yes (laughs) i've had to do a lot of explaining since if people when people see it if they don't know joyce joyce was one of the worst album covers it made the worst album covers list that circulated so that's what we were uh parroting and well, I was going to say, I'm not like a John Prine, like where I write these entire songs that are funny. Right. There might be a line in the song that you could perceive as funny, but I don't go for a lot of punchlines. I don't go for a lot. I, I do go for wordplay. I think there's a lot of graveyard humor in my songs, like kind of gallows humor, <laughs> gallows humor. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> Thank you. That's graveyard humor. That's not quite the right way. I meant yeah, gallows humor. Too. Yeah. A little skeleton dancing yes. around. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a I'm a person who loves comedy and I you know, I love like Louie and I love like comedy often gets me out of my my mental state that is is bummed out. So yeah. in recent years, you know, I kinda got into like that show Broad City and Yes. Um, <laughs> Or I should say, yes, yeah. queen. <laughs> that show really cracks me up. Um, there's a lot of things that just, you know, growing up, it was it was Mel Brooks and Woody Allen type stuff. Uh, you know, all the kind of Jewish humor that my dad was from Brooklyn. And um, I grew up, you know, really attuned to, to Jewish comedy. And so, you know, I don't really have it in me to be a comedian, but I still love comedy. Um, it's interesting that you bring up Louis C.K. because mm-hmm. um, when I think back on my own experience with going through a divorce and mm-hmm. um, when I talk to other people about their experiences, I always come back to that quote that it's probably one of his more famous quotes that no good marriage has ever ended in divorce. Yeah. So you should never say you're sorry. <laughs> Isn't that funny? That's a great quote. Yeah. Say you're sorry. Right. <laughs> what are you sorry about? 
We should be sorry if they stayed in the crappy marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Which happens a lot. Yeah. I just, I don't know what the answer is about anything right now. I'm feeling particularly lost just because I'm also struggling so much with health stuff. But we all, ha- we all have these things where we say, well, if I could just get this figured out, I'd be happy, you know? Mm-hmm. So I've had many times in the last few years, because I've had so many health struggles, I've been like, well, if I could just feel good physically, I bet I'd be great. Well, then I go through a little period of feeling a little better. I'm like, oh, great. Now, now it's the depression that's, you know, so it's like whack-a-mole with right. your problems. And maybe it's best to just acknowledge sometimes that if you're a certain kind of person, you're probably always going to have a demon there's going to be some demon. What are you going to do to mitigate those things? Right. What are you going to do to deal with it? Are you going to are you going to create, you know, are you going to find a job that makes you happy? Are you going to uh, surround yourself with people that make you happy? You know, are you going to find salvation in, you know, other people or within yourself or some combination thereof? That's usually how I how I deal with things is, you know, at least when I'm dealing with them in a healthy way and not just burying them with whatever I can put the pain at bay with. Unfortunately, in my experience, ever since I was a teenager, a lot of times that's involved um, drugs, mm-hmm. you know, and when over the counter or not over the counter, but um, seeking relief from pain, um, from a brain and a body that often just hurts. And I I haven't, I've never been through a formal chemical dependency treatment. And boy, would there be a lot of people who would say that I should have. Um, I've said this before, and I don't know how this comes across, but part of my problem is I'm just entirely too functional. Like, and I know how to do almost everything in a way that allows me to keep doing it without quite going over the edge of the cliff. Mm-hmm. Having said that, right now, I kind of feel like I've gone over the edge of the cliff with my health, and I don't, I'm like, I'm not too terribly functional right now. My body isn't really working very well, and I'm, I don't necessarily attribute that to, to drugs as much as um, to a life that just I've tried to sustain for a really long time and it just obviously was to some extent unsustainable people like joke with me about it on facebook and stuff like you're a machine you're the hardest working blah blah blah. how do you do it how do you you know and it's like i'm here to say i'm not doing it yeah i'm here to say that any like any macho like Oh, aren't I just a tough survivor? I'm kind of like almost embarrassed for all that kind of bravado that I've sometimes displayed about, you know, I've put out so many albums and I'm such a survivor and I just keep going, but I'm human and I'm actually right at this moment as we're speaking, I'm kind of breaking down. Yeah. Um, so I need to figure out how I'm going to get healthy again. I always said, well, I'm never going to give up the dream. I'm never going to, well, I'm not, I don't, I don't really have to give up the dream, but the way I've been going about it, album after album, working, raising kids, trying to do everything, be everything to everybody. That is, at least in my case, that is 
quite obviously not sustainable. Right. And one of the really important things I need to do right now is confront the unsustainability of that so that I don't, you know, so that I make it to age 50 and 60 and, you know. And now you come Um, but can you tell me a little bit more about how long this has been happening and, mm-hmm. and kind of the situation? I've had kind of health, some health problems ever since I was a kid. And I don't, sometimes I wonder if maybe it was like I had a lot of ear infections when I was a kid. Maybe all the antibiotics screwed up my, my gut flora or something. But uh, I was, I was kind of a brainy kid and, uh, you know, I, I actually, um, I got moved up a grade in, in, from first to second grade and, you know, I had friends and I wasn't like social outcast, but I was, you know, on the, on the little bit nerdier side and I got to junior high and got kind of bullied and that seemed to be also when my, um, gastrointestinal problems started Mm. probably not a coincidence that things really got going when I started to experience a lot of like stress at school from being bullied and stuff and uh I went through a bunch of tests and stuff back in in junior high and high school and my friends all you know it was Dan's bad stomach that was you know it was a joke you know like sometimes it wasn't too darn funny for me to find myself having to run to the bathroom when everybody else was at a party having fun. Um, alcohol was never a real good friend of my my insides. It, it was more of a nuisance for for many years. Um, um, but there were definitely times that it flared up in, in college where I had some real problems. And, and by way of telling my my uh, health story, I guess I'll tell my life story a little too because I, I went to um, I grew up in St. Louis Park and then I went to college at Northwestern in Chicago and I majored in film and um, got really into music while I was in college and that's when I started writing songs and then after college I moved to Austin, Texas and formed a band with a guy from college. And kind of, you know, got immersed in the music scene there and started working for the legislature there. And so uh, so I lived in Austin for three years 
and you know made a little bit of waves in the scene there um moved back here in 90 late 95 and then met my ex-wife in early 96 that was i met her at the uptown bar and it was a great story how i got a last minute gig and opening for the carpetbaggers and that's the night i met her and and then not to blame my children but when i added the uber stress of having children onto everything else that's seems to be when things started to maybe get a little more difficult for me health-wise and then um around the time that that my daughter was born then it was kind of that year after she was born that maybe just having two kids it was just things started to kind of go over the edge for me and i i just started to have constant gi problems digestive problems and um and it was also at the same time that i was really starting to over medicate myself to deal with those problems but then unfortunately the the real bummer was that some of the medications i was taking to medicate and deal with my anxiety and depression and the stomach problems that already existed Mm -hmm. were aggravating the stomach problems that already existed and there really didn't seem to be an answer and i went from doctor to doctor and i went to the mayo clinic and i went to the mayo clinic and i went to the mayo clinic and i got every test that there is for gi stuff which are widely known to be among the most fun tests you can have um they they diagnosed me with celiac and then I went on a gluten-free diet and I didn't get any better and I confronted them about it and said look it's not working and then I went back to Mayo and they did a you know a test on me that showed that I didn't have the genetic marker for celiac so ha see I don't have celiac which is great I've been I've been vindicated that is what a great feeling for three seconds until I realized that means I still don't know what's wrong with me so what is wrong with me um I don't know my guts don't work. Just this past year, I mean, I just went through this thing where at the end of this summer, I took some time off and um, I got as much better as I've been in a long time. I, I took a vacation with my kids and then I took some leave from work, which I thought was going to be disability leave, didn't necessarily turn out to be that way. But the point is I was off work for like a month and I felt a lot better. And what, what that should have been was a great time to, to take that as a launching point for staying healthy and for like, okay, now I finally turned a corner. I can, I can build on this success and any normal person, any person with half a brain would have, would have done that. Unfortunately, I'm an extremely self-destructive, self-sabotaging person and with an addictive personality. And so instead of taking all that progress and building on it and staying on a healthy path, I sort of let loose and partied and ate whatever I wanted to eat. That's why I am where I am right now, which Mm. is really sick again. There's some people that are upset with me for that, namely the man in the mirror, (laughs) to quote Michael Jackson. (laughs) I'm the one who has to live with the consequences the most. Yeah. 
I'm really interested in the role that music has in healing people. And Me too. It's something I think about a lot, and it's something that I wanted to explore with this show. Um, uh-huh. So I'm curious to know about when you're in the process of either creating a new song, playing music, do you get to a point where other things kind of fall away? Where yeah. That gets to be the only thing that you're thinking about. Yeah. The, I think a lot of it maybe has to do with catharsis. Um, that healing sometimes just comes from tearing away all the artifice and all the things that were all worked up about all the time. And uh, music has the power to heal. And all, all those other things, they don't really, you know. I mean, for the most part, they're pretty vacuous. I cry into my music sometimes. Mm. You know, I I don't necessarily find myself, like, able to write at the lowest lows. But, you know, I have to be, I can't write from a place of total depression because then I just want to curl up in the fetal position. But when I'm able to get out of it enough to get that little bit of perspective and channel the the hurt into something, you know, that also goes along maybe with joy and, you know, how we were talking about bummer songs with upbeat mm-hmm. feel, you know, mm-hmm. there there's a healing in that for me because then I can kind of dance my way through the, the pain. Um, that can heal, I yeah. guess. I tend to I tend to write in that kind of confessional first person thing that I think there's just certain lines and certain songs on this album that I if I would go through and look at the lyrics I would say okay that's a line that just is sort of summed up everything at that moment for me and when I can distill a bunch of feelings into a line like that I feel sort of like a peace that comes over me you know mm-hmm. or even there's even a line in this first song, Winter is Coming. The last line of the song is is about just make your peace with the change, you know. A lot of my songs are just asking myself, talking to myself, saying, Are you ready to are you ready to go forward? Are you ready to move on into the next part of your life? On on the ego side of things, just it's nice to have people recognize that, that they like my songs, that they like what I do. Yeah. So if I can get that and my health and have my children be happy and have friends, people close to me that I care about be healthy and happy, then then I then I can be okay. Your dreams put out right through the funnel. They must in light. At the end of the tunnel, you're gonna be alright, oh so you've been told. That was my conversation with Dan Israel, the singer-songwriter who just put out his 13th record. It's simply called Dan. Thank you so much to Dan Israel for stopping by and for having such a candid and wonderful conversation with me. You can find out more about Dan over on The Current's website. I'll post some links over at blog.thecurrent.org. You can just search for The OK Show. You can also check out a beautiful portrait that Nate Ryan took of Dan to accompany today's episode. Don't forget, you can find all of the OK shows over at thecurrent.org, as well as on iTunes and through FeedBurner and all of your favorite podcasting apps. 
And tune in every Wednesday. I'll be putting out a new episode. Next Wednesday, Claire DeLune is in the house. We're going to talk about Tiny Deaths. We're going to talk about her history playing in the Chalice and with other artists here in the Twin Cities. And we're going to talk about some of her struggles that she's dealt with offstage, including trying to understand anxiety and the imposter syndrome that plagues so many women in this industry, myself included. My name is Andrea Svensson. Thank you so much for tuning in to another OK Show. And until next time, it's going to be OK.